Welcome in, everyone, to the first edition of the Bills Beat Podcast in the post-Kelvin Benjamin era. I know there are at least one or two of you that tweeted at us and were like, Dudes, emerge a pod! But, you know, we decided to give the same amount of effort as Kelvin Benjamin did during the first month of the season. So how's that for fitting? But he did turn it around, and so now we're we're here and discussing Kelvin post-Kelvin, what the Bills do from here, and then we'll get into a little uh, fun Josh Allen v. Sam Darnold uh, debate as uh, as we get through towards the podcast here, because it, it should be pretty fun seeing a couple of rookie quarterbacks out on the field. But Kelvin Benjamin is no more with the Buffalo Bills. He has moved on as of this recording on Thursday early afternoon. Uh, apparently the Chiefs are interested. I haven't seen another team, but yeah, that would be quite the pairing. Seeing uh, him with Mahomes, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey, uh, it, it, uh, with the potential of put, uh, making Bills fans feel a little hurt about the that Kelvin Benjamin thing. But true to form, Kelvin Benjamin no longer a member of the Bills, and I want to start with what Sean McDermott had to say about it. And he didn't really offer too much into why it didn't work out. But he just said it didn't work out. And he did echo the sentiments of what I do believe is a strong way to conduct business. And that would be to uh, to take swings on certain players and hope to make your team that much better. And if it doesn't work out, having the gumption to not just hang on to it and trying to make it work, but to actually get out of it. And they did so four weeks in advance of what, of when they would have had to, had they just let them run out the season, but they made a statement with it. And I think that kind of sent a little bit of a statement through the locker room. So Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, what did you make of Kelvin Benjamin getting released as, uh, as he did? Yeah, I think it was, for a lot of people, probably interesting timing. I was struck by what Sean McDermott had to say last Friday, two days before the Dolphins game, about, you know, when asked about Kelvin Benjamin's dwindling snap counts, basically admitted that, you know, they were trying to get the younger guys in there. And then when I asked him if Kelvin had embraced his role as kind of a veteran in that room, McDermott didn't even bring him, bring Kelvin Benjamin's name up. He I just recall. went right to talking about Deontay Thompson and that sent off a little alarm bell in in your head. And from there, it was just, I think, a situation where they wanted to get the young guys in and they didn't want to embarrass Kelvin Benjamin and cause any sort of, you know, undue attention on him or undue distraction for the team if they were to bench him or make him inactive then he becomes a topic and something that they didn't want to deal with. They didn't think it was fair to him or, you know, his teammates. So it makes sense. I mean, obviously we've been critics of Kelvin's on this podcast before, but, you know, as you mentioned, as the season went on, it's become more and more clear, I think, that effort was not necessarily – the biggest problem with Kelvin Benjamin. I think it's it more, definitely was in the first month of the season. Yeah, though. I think it's more so that he just he's kind of shot. Like I just don't know if he's the same player that he was physically after having surgeries on both knees. 
I think he was pressing a lot this season just because of his contract. And when things weren't going well early, you know, he started to, it, it snowballed on him a little bit. So a lot of unfortunate circumstances. He also had to work with six quarterbacks in a span of 13 months and two coordinators. Not ideal circumstances for anybody. Bills took a swing, as Sean McDermott mentioned. It obviously was a wild failure because Kelvin Benjamin has his worst catch rate of his career right now. Bills quarterbacks had a 22.5 quarterback mm. rating when targeting him this year. Mm-hmm. And that, it wasn't all their fault either. I mean, it was uh, Kelvin dropped quite a few passes throughout the year and, and, and in some big spots. You, you think of the Minnesota uh, catch that would have been for a touchdown over the middle of the field. That was for not because he, he let that slide. And, I mean, that's that's the first one that pops to mind. But you can think of at least four or five more big drops of his in this season in which it was a contested catch situ- situation which should have been his money and and what, uh, what he is still good at, especially since he really struggles to separate these days. But, you know, Kelvin Benjamin, of course... He will land somewhere. I mean, people are going to look at his size. I wonder if maybe they're going to look at him as maybe a move tight end type because if he doesn't have the speed to work on the outside anymore, perhaps maybe they can get more inside the numbers in the in the short area burst of where he could he could potentially make an impact and against some slower defenders. But that runs the risk of uh, of putting him on the field because he wasn't productive in any sort of capacity. But I do think there's a certain degree of the Kelvin Benjamin move, and we've we've discussed this before, going way back to the trade deadline. Um, it almost felt like it was a spur of the moment trade by Brandon Bean, where they were five and two, they were feeling themselves, they they thought, man. We had another pass catcher, and took some pressure off of Zay Jones. We could we could really do some something, and we could really make it to the playoffs. Now they still made it to the playoffs, uh, you know, in part thanks to Calvin Benjamin. He he made a big catch against the Colts for a touchdown uh, from from Nathan Peterman in the first half of that game, but really that was his biggest contribution as a member of the team. But when you look back at that day, it didn't seem like, you know, there were some reporters who put out there that, you know, all was quiet, even a couple hours ahead of the trade deadline. And then, what was it, 10, 15 minutes before, maybe five before the trade deadline? Poof. Calvin Benjamin to the Buffalo Bills, just out of nowhere. And, of course, him working with Carolina certainly helped in this same way, but... to kind of quicken the negotiations. But still, it almost felt like Bean wasn't expecting to do anything, and then all of a sudden it was like, I don't know, when when you're at a when you're at a store and you're you're looking at a brand new TV, right? And it's like, well, I don't really need one. The cost is kind of ridiculous, but man, it'd be really cool to have. And then you just make it make that decision right off the cuff and when you get home maybe you get that buyer's remorse and when you really sit down to think about it it's like should I have done that I think that might have been what happened with this trade I think it also I mean it didn't help that Kelvin Benjamin tore his meniscus and 
had to play through that for mm-hmm. the basically the the rest of the season. That obviously hurt them quite a bit. And when you have to have a surgery like that, you're not going to be necessarily the same guy. He wasn't a guy that was known for being really quick or mm-hmm. really explosive to begin with. But he also, you know, as you mentioned, dropped a lot of balls this year and I think that's what became the bigger issue is that and maybe his frustration spilling over a little bit. I don't think it was anything he did to get released necessarily. I know a lot of people want to zoom in on him, you know, on replays and claim he's not, you know, giving effort. I, I just find that as a hard um, a hard thing to do when you know a guy isn't quite himself physically. And I think, you know, as you, you could probably zoom in on a lot of guys at various points during the season and, and find, you know, moments where you're not sure. The, the problem with Kelvin Benjamin is his body language wasn't always great. And I don't think he ever became the type of leader in the room that they wanted. Now, I don't know. He's not the type of guy that's everybody's cup of tea, right? I mean, he's he's a bit of a unique personality, a bit misunderstood at times, but ultimately I think a guy that, you know, it was time to time to move on and get a look at different guys, how they can perform with more opportunity and I think there was part of it that was give Kelvin Benjamin a chance to latch on with another team and maybe play in the playoffs or Yeah, because being show what dra- he can do draft somewhere else. They like him. Brandon Bean really likes him as a person. And he's just there's just not much left as a player. And they weren't bringing him back. The compensatory pick thing that a lot of people are up in arms about, they're going to outgain their losses more than likely with $90 million in right. cap space. And the second part of that equation is it would require Kelvin Benjamin getting a big contract. And I don't think that's happening either. Mm-hmm. So... The only other argument you can make is they should have traded him at the deadline, but from what I understand, there was very little interest because of his contract. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's an unfortunate end, and nobody really wins except for the Carolina Panthers, who got a third-round pick. But other than that, you know, the Bills are left kind of back where they started before the whole thing. But maybe it allows, you know, different guys to get on the field, and it opens up the offense a little bit because – we saw Carolina's offense improve after they got rid of him last year. Yeah, and we're going to see a lot more Robert Foster, I think. I think we're going to see more Deontay Thompson, and Thompson had about 25% of snaps. I would say we would probably see the same amount from Isaiah McKenzie, though just out at practice just now. watched McKenzie go through a route, come up hobbling, uh, very gingerly went off to the sideline, and then slammed his helmet down in frustration, which usually means... Something happened with a muscle. And don't really know, don't want to speculate on which muscle, but you know, some, something happened uh, on, on that route. So we'll, we'll see what the Bills have to say about that. And that would be a solid loss for them, just because that would also mean Ray Ray McLeod has to get entered into the equation here. And I don't think they want that because he really just hasn't gotten it to this point in time. But to, to the Kelvin Benjamin point, He definitely, you could see it from, I want to say, like, the Green Bay game on, where you could tell he was definitely doing more of what the coaches wanted him to do, whether it was run blocking to the completion of the play. 
I mean, that was a problem for him early on in 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 the in the season, which is a big part of the receiver position to them. And so because he wasn't engaging on that as much, that that led to him having to change his ways a little bit and and to his credit, he did that. You know, same thing with working back to the ball. He did it a lot more as the season went along, whereas early on in the year, he didn't. But the trouble is, no matter how much he did that the coaching staff wanted him to do, he wasn't producing. And there were just so many opportunities for him. I almost think because his snaps went from 50% against the Jets to 40% against the Jaguars to 60% against the Dolphins. I bet you they were thinking about it all week and like, well, let's give Kelvin one last shot. Let's give him one starters reps type of amount of, of a game here and see if he's got anything left. Yeah. I don't and, think and really they, he didn't. I don't think this came out of nowhere. No, they've been thinking about it for a so while. So I think, you know, and it's the natural progression of a season. You've got eight losses you're starting to use the rest of the games for evaluation and you already made your evaluation on Kelvin Benjamin. Like I mentioned, it's, it would just be embarrassing to him to make him a healthy scratch the rest of the season. And I know there's people out there that probably thinks he deserves that. Uh, they decided to treat him better than that, which I think that has long-term, you know, benefit to you. If you treat players the right way and, try to treat them with as much respect as possible when things aren't working out. And, hey, if Kelvin Benjamin latches on with the Chiefs and shows something in the playoffs, maybe he becomes a guy that can, you know, get a little something in free agency. I still don't think he's going to get a long-term deal uh, with a ton of guaranteed money that he's probably seeing all his peers in the 2014 class get and thinking some of that's coming his way. I don't think it is. But, you know, I think the Bills did right by him. And they did that because behind the scenes, I think he's, you know, more well-liked than he is, obviously, by fans. I mean, he's one of, since I've been here, I can't think of too many guys who have been, you know, more hated uh, than Kelvin Benjamin. Mm -hmm. He's up there, for sure. So, but that's not the case in the building uh, with a lot of people there. So, they decided to do right by him. You can't really fault them for that. And I still don't really fault Brandon Bean for taking a chance in, you know, a five and two season when you did need another pass catcher there. He was one of the guys out there on the market. So you took a chance on a guy who could catch, you know, touchdowns, play in the red zone. And, you know, by the end of the year and by certainly this year, he just wasn't the same player and it didn't, it wasn't a good fit, but you know, he tried and it was a season when he was, trading a lot of guys out and probably needed to bring somebody in to show the locker room that they were going for it. And they didn't make the playoffs because Calvin Benjamin, but you know, they were, I think making a a move like that at the deadline was fair at the time. And, you know, for a variety of reasons, it turned South, but as Sean McDermott said, it doesn't mean you stop taking those chances and stop swinging because you don't get any, uh, big benefit if you sit back and play it safe all the time and for those wondering how it's going to go down calvin benjamin was acquired by the buffalo bills for what turned out to be rashawn golden a uh, safety 
out of uh, Tennessee, who has gotten very little time on the field this year, but uh, we'll obviously see how his career pans out. So it might just end up being a wash, but perhaps the Bills could have done a little bit more with that third-round pick. I think that's that's more the the genesis of the discussion anyway. So Calvin Benjamin is gone. There is uh, going to be a lot more time on the field for the youngsters, health permitting for Isaiah McKenzie. I think Robert Foster is the big one. I think they want to get a good look to see if Foster can hand a bigger workload uh, because he has definitely improved since the since the first time we saw him. I mean, he had the solid spring and then disappeared in training camp. and they He made the big play at the end of the game against the Bears, um, and I think that was probably the reason he was kept uh, because they probably thought to themselves – Crap! He's going to get scooped up now because he made that play, even though he has done he had done nothing in the entire preseason leading up to that point. So they hung on to him, and then after he did quite literally nothing um, during his first stint on the active roster, they cut him, sent a message, brought him back up, and now he's like a different player. My question with Robert Foster is: We've seen what his default is, his default work ethic, and and you know the attention to detail, everything like that during the practice week. And, and it kind of, it, it devolved into a situation where he got cut, but now what does he do after that initial motivation of getting brought back on the active roster? What happens when that is gone? And I think that's part of what they want to find out as well. Yeah. And he needs to also show he can do more than just go deep mm-hmm. and beat teams over the top. That is a good skill set to have, but the more you show, the less defenses can just figure out what, what you're doing when you're on the field. And that's what happens when you play more snaps and have to you know, be on the field more. You get a better taste of his full skill set and whether he can be more than just a gadget guy who goes deep once in a while. If he can be more than that, that's a heck of a find by this regime because they don't have anybody else on the roster with that kind of speed. I mean, McKenzie can move. Ray Ray McLeod is not slow, but I mean, the over the top vertical threat with the size and physicality when he wants to have it, like Robert Foster has, is something that the offense does not have at the moment. So I, I think this is a chance for him to establish that he belongs at the top of the pecking order heading into the off season when mm-hmm. they're probably going to add two or three bodies at least at that position. So yeah. I think, you know, if this doesn't motivate him, then I'm not sure what will. You know, who else needs to be motivated? McLeod. I mean, the guy has had opportunities, done nothing with them. I, I'm not convinced he's on this team next year. I think if if I had to guess... Based on what we've seen right now, I think he's probably on the outside looking in, thinking that they are going to add um, considerably to the wide receiver position. But, I mean, this is just a small example, but it's the little things with him. Like, during during today's practice, he ran a great route where he was working from the slot, you know, faked going inside, had great footwork, went outside to make the, the catch along the right sideline. Ball was delivered perfectly. He tries to catch it with his left hand rather than two hands, and... And everyone screamed at him, two hands. It's like, why? What is? What goes through your head to think? Well, I'm just gonna one hand this thing. It doesn't make sense. So, that's a small example, but it's it's 
those types of things that add up over the course of time where it changes the way evaluators think about their players, whether it be the front office, the coaching staff, what have you. But there, there is a definite reason why Ray, Ray, Ray McLeod went from having a role in this offense to being inactive. And that's because he has been outplayed and hasn't shown enough. So we'll see what he does. All right, let's, let's talk about some young quarterbacks, shall we? This week, we will be treated to Josh Allen taking on Sam Darnold and the New York Jets. The last time it was the Bills versus the Jets, it was Matt Barkley versus Josh McCown. And Matt Barkley had himself a day. Josh McCown did not. He uh, probably wanted to pretend that day didn't exist. But now those guys are on their respective benches. It's time for the rookies to take uh, take the stage here. So when so when Allen and the Bills host Darnold and the Jets, I think a lot of people are probably going to use this as kind of like a measuring game. And I don't know if that's fair, but people are going to do it one way or the other. And I don't know. It, it seems like Darnold has been a little bit more reckless with the ball than, say, Josh Allen has. And, and that's kind of confusing based on their, their pre-draft stuff. And even though Darnold was a tad reckless at USC, it seemed like Allen was the more reckless of the two. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what happens. But this, uh, this game is, is quite tasty from, from that perspective uh, to a lot of different people, especially in the draft community, too. Well, I think if you asked anybody, I mean, maybe not anybody, but a vast majority of people in May who they would rather have, or in April who they would rather have, Sam Darnold or Josh Allen, I think the vast majority of people tell you that they'd rather have Sam Darnold. Probably myself included. Darnold's now, weird. this year, mm-hmm. or you know where we're sitting now, I don't think that's as easy a d- decision. No, and I agree. I think there's a strong case to be made that you'd rather have Josh Allen. I think, I mean, Sam Darnold had... Lots of turnover issues at USC in his final season. Some of the same things that you see pop up where it's like, why did you make that throw? Mm-hmm. And we've, I think, only seen one of those from Josh Allen. The Green Bay? The Green Bay yeah. game where you were like, what were you thinking? That's like, that happens a lot to Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold's probably, you know, the more accurate guy, but there's not... I mean, he leads the league in interceptions right now. He's got 14 picks, and he missed a few weeks. He's had a few bright spots, you know, good games, but he's mostly settled into being a pretty turnover-prone guy, and, you know, I don't think he brings nearly what Josh Allen brings in the running game. So it's an interesting conversation to have. This game is not going to decide it one way or the other. Uh, This game could be the first, you know, matchup between two longtime Pro Bowl quarterbacks. It could also <laughs> be Blaine Gabbert versus Jake Locker. Oof. Right? I mean, Oof. there were probably people saying the same thing back then. Or Wasn't Ponder in that draft? Ponder too? was in that draft. Locker and Gabbert were in the same division. So people were probably thinking that these guys are going to own the AFC South. 
At least that's what the GMs were thinking. Mm -hmm. Maybe not most of the rational thinking world. But they're probably, you know, there's reason to believe that could be the case with these two quarterbacks. I certainly hope it's a case where they, you know, emerge as two guys that are rivals in the division going to Pro Bowls. I think that would be fun. You know, it would be super compelling on a yearly basis if these guys played twice a year. But it's going to be a – the story won't be told on Sunday. But Mm -hmm. it's the first chapter. Potentially these guys are friends, um, worked out together in the pre-draft process. So I think it's interesting to see which way their careers have gone. Both teams have a ton of cap space this offseason. And in a lot of ways, I mean, you don't want to overstate the importance of this game. But who's to say a free agent wide receiver out there, you know, when he comes to Buffalo, if Josh Allen, you know, has vastly outplayed Sam Darnold in this game, who's to say Brandon Bean doesn't turn on the tape while he has a guy in for a visit right? and say, yeah, you can take their money or you can come play with this kid. Right. I think that's where the final four games are important. Not to say a free agent wide receiver is going to, base his decision on who wins this game on Sunday, but early in the season there was concern who would want to come to Buffalo and play in this quarterback situation. Now, I think, you know, you'd still probably rather play for the Colts, right? They have a sure. ton of cap space too. I think I'd rather play in a dome with ooh, Andrew Luck. Ooh, they're gonna be scary. I mean they've got a lot they've got a good base of, money of talent already. And They have a great quarterback who looks like he's back. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a more attractive situation. But the Jets are going to be there fighting for some of these free agent wide receivers as well. So is it obvious anymore that you'd rather have Sam Darnold? Probably not. I don't think so. I mean, I haven't watched Sam Darnold nearly as closely as I've watched Josh Allen. But from what I've seen, he is making more of those head-scratching decisions than Josh Allen is. But And he's not the athlete that Allen is. He can probably do more of the simple stuff. A little bit better but I think this will be an interesting one to watch from that perspective just because both franchises have so much riding on these two quarterbacks and this is a broader point uh, than Darnold but with with Allen it almost seems like he's farther along on his learning curve than maybe we all expected him to be at this point. And I don't want to go too far into it because he's been back for two weeks and it's been two weeks of that improvement. He's yet to hit a wall since he's been back from his injury. But those initial two weeks are very encouraging, especially with the types of things that he was able to do against the Miami Dolphins. I think, you know, just, just watching him and... All you can you can see based on the first time we saw him to then all of the different things that he had approved upon, whether it be scanning the field, staying in the pocket, being more poised in the pocket, willing to pull the trigger down the field, which he didn't do in the beginning part of the season, which was very confusing because he's this big arm guy, but they just they never did. I don't know if it was for a lack of confidence in your receivers, a lack of knowing your... Who knows? Who knows what, what the story was? Or, or maybe a lack of confidence in himself. But when you see those actual improvements, it makes you think that this guy takes to coaching pretty well. And he takes to 
what people are trying to tell him will make him a better player. And he, you know, perhaps those five weeks away are exactly what he needed to kind of get out of the moment, take a bigger picture look at everything, and sit there and say, okay, this is what I need to do to be successful. I have to do these things. And, I mean, Derek Anderson and Matt Barkley, they don't have as much talent naturally as as Josh Allen, but they were still able to do some things. Well, Derek Anderson less so, but Matt Barkley certainly was. And Josh Allen had to be thinking, well, if he could do that, why can't I with this supporting cast? And Allen, it, it is remarkable that he did what he did against the Dolphins with that just train wreck of an offensive line in front of him. Like, that was... This is saying that was probably their worst showing. I mean, Ryan Groy was in there, which certainly didn't help things. But Jeremiah Searles was a complete disaster. I mean, he's he's gotten... He, he, along with Nathan Peterman, are two of the only players I've ever given an F to. Because it was just bad. Jordan Mills was doing his Cobra pose like he likes to do on the ground all the time. Uh, going against Cameron Wake. And then Wyatt Teller had a terrible game. That was his first rookie game. But the fact that Josh Allen did all of those things against that, uh, with with that offensive line in front of him, that goes to show there's something there. And now it's on him and them to be able to draw it out consistently. But as as it compares to Sam Darnold, has Darnold had one of those games? I mean, I have like you, I haven't watched him closely enough to know if he's had those moments, but or that those big grandiose games, but. All in all, it's like, I think Josh Allen has probably had the best performance of the two of those guys. And Bills fans are probably going to hope that he continues along that same vein this week to prove to the Jets, ha, you gave up three second rounders for that guy? We only gave up two for our guy. Suck it. Sam Darnold has had three touchdowns in a game, which Josh Allen has not. Mm Mm-hmm. He had a Josh game where have. he completed yes. 80% of his passes for 280 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But he's also had a game, and it was his last game on the field, where he threw four interceptions and another game where he threw three. So he's turning the ball over a lot more, and but he's not doing nearly what Josh Allen is doing on the ground, which is something that can be a good crutch for a young quarterback. You don't want to use it too much, but... I think that's why he had so much success despite the offensive line because he was keeping those guys on their heels a little bit just because, as Cameron Wake mentioned, you get into the backfield and all of a sudden you're a linebacker. You're not a defensive end anymore because that guy can make you miss. Mm -hmm. And that makes life really tough for pass rushers. And once again, we talked about it, but the Dolphins didn't really blitz him a ton. And so he didn't have to diagnose a lot of that. But I think the reason is because he's starting to hurt teams with his arm and mm-hmm. pushing the ball downfield, which is keeping defenses honest uh, on a different level than he was able to do early in the season, you know, like against Houston and teams like that. So I think probably the most encouraging thing about Josh Allen is that he's willing to just stand there and take a hit right on the chin and get back up and just continue to make those throws stand in the pocket and just continue to deliver throw after throw while getting hit. And 
that's a good sign because not all quarterbacks are like that, rookie or otherwise, usually rookies. thought he was really good on the final drive where he was mm-hmm. pretty calm in the pocket. He took the easy throws when they were there and probably should have had that completion to Zay Jones, probably should have had the completion to Charles Clay. I mean, that's a case where if there's more playmakers on this offense, I think they win that game. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know that we've seen – a ton of those moments yet from from Sam Darnold, but this is the first time they're going to go head-to-head and they can say how they're not going up against each other, which is true. They're going up against the defenses. But it has to creep in a little bit where this guy was picked in front of you and comp- you were compared to him throughout the pre-draft process. These are the games where you should have, just like when you play Tom Brady, when you play Aaron Rodgers, you should have a just that little bit extra you know it's that it's that game where you know it's it should have a little bit of a big game feel as much of a big game feel as bill's jets can have in december so mm-hmm. i think you learn a little bit about both guys in a game like this because both the jets defense has been not great but they do have some talent the bill's defense is a pretty good test for sam darnold so we'll see i mean the the last time sam darnold was on the field he threw four interceptions against the dolphins Last time Josh Allen was on the field, he had maybe his best game against the Dolphins. Yeah. This is a classic example of perceived, heading into the draft process, perceived uh, low floor or high floor versus high ceiling. Because Darnold, while he could, he can potentially get better than what he is, the, the, the general consensus on him was that Hey, you know what? You're going to be getting at least a, a baseline quarterback, uh, but that if he continues to turn the ball over the way he is, maybe that's less the case. But with Josh Allen, he was never the high floor guy. He was the he's either going to be great or he is going to be terrible, and that that has been uh, kind of the way people thought about it. But now, as we're into the season, and, and it's still young in their career, so you have to couch a little bit because guys can vastly improve after their first year. Ask Jared Goff that exact question when he finally got out from under the thumb of Jeff Fisher. But when you have these two guys going head-to-head, it's, it's hard not to compare where they are in their progress. And I'm sure if Josh Allen has a great game and the Bills win... Jets fans are going to be like, oh, crap, did we take the wrong guy? Dolphins fans last week were already thinking, oh, man, we've got Ryan Tannehill, and mm-hmm. they got that guy. Mm-hmm. So not a um, thought. It's interesting how the conversations around quarterbacks go because we could sit here in three years and be laughing at the name Sam Darnold the way we do Blaine Gabbert, right? <sighs> I mean – That would be hard. That's – that's it. Yeah, that's true. Blaine Gabbert will always be unique and special. We could be laughing at him the way we do Mark Sanchez or whoever else. I think the name Blaine Gabbert adds to it. Though. It certainly does. Sam is Three a normal B's. name. Yeah. Blaine is Blaine is a unique. He's a special special bird. Blake Bortles? But is up there right, you could be rankings. laughing at him like Blake Bortles. Could be laughing at Josh Allen the same way. I think a lot of people were already laughing at Josh Allen, waiting for him to make horrible throws in the preseason or training camp and using those to be like, here's Josh Allen doing Josh Allen stuff or Jalen Ramsey 
saying he's trash and it was a horrible pick when I can almost guarantee Jalen Ramsey watched, what, maybe all of five minutes of him, if mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. had no idea, was just talking out his ass. And that's what a lot of people were doing. You, you take the, not to say there weren't concerns with Josh Allen before the draft, because there certainly were, but ignoring all the good things and just saying, oh, this is just a big white guy who can't hit the broadside of a barn and never, the NFL is going to love him. It's like, well, there were other reasons they liked him too. Mm-hmm. And so the conversation around Josh Allen has already become one where he's been the target of, you know, getting, you know, made fun of and all that, like Blake Bortles or insert, you know, quarterback bust here. Sam Darnold, you know, has been, I think, insulated from that because he is, and it's funny because he's in New York. Right. He should be the guy that people are like, oh, you're going to have to handle the criticism. But, I mean, Manish Meadows is as critical a columnist as there is in New York, and all he does is sing Sam Darnold's praises and talk about him as the future of the franchise and all this, which is, again, you know, it's early, so he does deserve some benefit of the doubt and some leeway. But eventually these conversations shift. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it happens. Like you said, Jared Goff was made fun of, and people were like, oh, well, that was a dumb pick. Saint Mitchell Trubisky, you know, and he started to turn it around. But eventually, you know, there comes a time when Sam Darnold could be the the name, the next name that's like, oh, can't believe Sam Darnold's employed, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, or he could be Jared Goff. It's like right. it's – and we're watching kind of the, the beginning of that mm-hmm. where you don't really cool. know which way it's going to go, but there's two guys on the field who could be great or they could just be, they could have awards named after them on <laughs> a podcast like this. <laughs> RIP to Kelvin Benjamin, no longer being an award winner. I it was a good run. It's going to test our ability to be a bit more critical thinkers. Yes, true. Um, all right, let's quickly get into predictions for this game. Uh, the Bills were favored by three and a half as of yesterday, I believe. Uh, favored? Yes. You heard me right. Um, I'll go first. I think this Bills team has the chance to uh, uh, maybe not run the Jets out of the building, but win by a, a couple of scores in this game. I, I, don't, I don't see a lot of great things from the Jets. I mean, obviously, the, the first time they played, it was a complete clunker for them. I do think they'll play better than, than what they did, specifically on defense, and give Josh Allen a little bit more of a unique look from blitzes and things of that nature. But I think, all in all, the, the thing I, I trust the most in this game is the Bills' defense. And going up against a rookie quarterback, I don't think Sean McDermott and that crew is going to allow him to really take off the same way that Josh Allen did against the Dolphins. So I've got the Bills, and I, I've got the Bills covering the, this spread. I, I think uh, I think this, this matchup sets up really nicely for them. I'm going to take the Bills as well, but I think it's going to be close. I think the Jets are going to come out a bit more prepared than they were a few weeks ago, probably lulled into a little false sense of security with the Matt Barkley news, and they just looked really, really flat. And that hasn't really been the case in the week since. They, you know, they played the Patriots pretty tough for almost three quarters, and they played the Titans tough. And the Titans aren't an easy team 
uh, to deal with either. They so, blew that game. Um, they're not a horrible football team. That they they looked like one the last time the Bills played them, but I think you know th- this being a division game and everything else, I'm going to pick the Jets to cover that three and a half point spread, but uh, I'm going to pick the Bills to win. Three and a half. Fancy. Three and a half. A fancy pick. You're, I think they're going to win by a field goal or less. Wow. Two point win. Get a get one a game winning win, safety. Maybe. Who knows? Game winning extra point. Maybe they win by half a point. I don't know. That would be. It's weird. a three and a half point spread, so there's a lot of leeway there. That but be... I think I still think the Bills will win. I think Sam Darnold will make enough mistakes. Yeah. For this Bills defense, they ought to have a better game than they had last week against Ryan Tannehill, when they were susceptible to red zone scoring. I don't think that'll be the case against Sam Darnold. Tre'Davious White needs a better game this time around. That was his first kind of bad game and Micah Hyde bailed him out in a big way on a on a double move deep route and that was the play that Hyde picked off the pass so you know he was he was toast so White's got to have a better game in this game all right so we both have the bills to win this one outright uh the next time we will speak with you will be after the Josh Allen v Sam Darnold bowl and we'll see if uh which one of these rookies can come out ahead and if uh you know josh allen can continue this string of having some really solid uh uh, performances here so it will be fun because a couple of rookie quarterbacks a couple of top 10 rookie quarterbacks and guys that will be i guess pitted against one another for a long time to come you know saying that they'll continue to be starters for a long time to come so we'll see All right, so for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you on Sunday. See ya.